Sports Scripts with Decrom is brought to you by Top Choice Athletics, the number one company in customized sports equipment and apparel, specializing in baseball, basketball, soccer, volleyball, tennis, golf, and of course, football. All apparel and equipment can be customized according to your needs. To stay tuned to exciting sports news and deals, follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Top Choice Athletics and follow them on Twitter at RealTCAthletics. Check out their awesome products and order online today from TopChoiceAthletics.com. Welcome back to Sportsbooks with Deep Rob, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromwell. Uh, the NFL playoffs might not have officially begun yet. After all, we still have three weeks left in the regular season, but it sure felt like they'd begun after one of the most dramatic Sundays of NFL football I could ever remember transpired just this past week. Didn't it, Hal? David, this was an amazing week of football. So much excitement all weekend long. Great games. Even when the competition wasn't great, the games were great. What a weekend. And we have to be hoping that this is only a preview of what's to come, not just in the next three weeks, but in the playoffs and Super Bowl in general. Exactly. You know, the NFL is always looking for that uh, that P-word parody and having multiple teams each season still in the playoff race, well, they seem to have it this year, and and there's a lot of exciting finishes, hopefully in line for us for the rest of this season and through February. You said it, and speaking of parity, Hal, is there any clear front runner to win the Super Bowl right now? I don't think there is. No, I mean, I was thinking about that earlier today as well, and really, if you're looking at teams that are complete teams both sides of the football can run can pass can stop the run can stop the pass there's really not even you know hard to pick any teams and i would say maybe the saints are the favorite in the west and the chargers who aren't even in first place are the favorites in the afc Ooh, very interesting take there hal and we will talk about the Chargers in just a minute, but let's proceed to my other main takeaways from Week 14, and it is that defense still matters. Uh, week 13, the Dallas Cowboys defense had one of the best defensive performances of the season, holding Drew Brees and the high fight New Orleans Saints offense to just 10 points. The Chicago Bears followed that up this past Sunday, holding the high-powered Los Angeles Rams offense to just six points in Soldier Field. And above all, Todd Gurley didn't even eclipse 70 total yards. That's how great a job they did. That was an amazing performance by the Bears. And boy, you know, I you hate to say this about these warm-weather teams, but when they start coming anywhere north in the Midwest, the Northeast, that cold weather can certainly still derail a high-flying offense. And we even saw that um, with Kansas City. The Ravens held them down and held them close that entire game with the Chiefs having to win it in overtime. So I'm with you on this, David. Defense still exists, and don't forget those Seattle Seahawks when we talk about defense either. Oh, and we will get to those Seahawks in just a second. And my other main takeaway, Baker Mayfield is on fire. Baker Mayfield was my favorite quarterback in this uh, 2018 draft class. I just cannot stress that enough. And he has just been on fire in recent weeks. Uh, Since the Browns fired Hugh Jackson in Week 9, Baker Mayfield ranks third in completion percentage with 73.2% completion, first in yards per pass attempt in 9.2, and third in passer rating, 114.4 to be exact, among quarterbacks to make at least four starts during that time. And those numbers are courtesy of NFL Network's uh, James Palmer. And he's also thrown 11 touchdowns compared to just four interceptions in that time period. Uh, There's a wonderful bakery opening in Cleveland. It's called Mayfield's Bakery, and it's delivering some of the sweetest stuff Cleveland will ever know. Yeah, talk about hitting a grand slam on that number one overall pick. I'll tell you, I was all for Darnold heading into this season, and he's still going to be a great quarterback, I think, but... Baker Mayfield, wow, what a performance this season. And as we had talked about way back in August, sometimes you just got to clear that Hugh Jackson out of the way to get it working right. 
You said it, and memo to the Cincinnati Bengals, do not hire Hugh Jackson as your next head coach, and that goes for the rest of the NFL teams who are going to have a head coaching vacancy. Hugh Jackson should never coach a single game in the NFL the rest of his coaching career, dare I say. And now let's move on to our favorite game, and this is called Truth or Exaggeration, and we stay in Cleveland where Browns interim offensive coordinator Freddie Kitchens, who's been instrumental in guiding Baker Mayfield to this amazing rookie performance these past several weeks, ought to be a serious head coaching candidate, not just for the Cleveland Browns, but for other teams with a head coaching vacancy. Oh, that's definitely a truth right there, David. He has put himself on the map here with his performance. And if I'm Cleveland, I'm definitely looking at him. And if I'm a team that's Uh, looking to replace my head coach or have already, he's got to be on that short list right now with his performance. Yes, and Freddie Kitchens uh, is a Bruce Arians disciple. Keep that in mind. Uh, That has to uh, be attractive to other teams as well who will consider him. Oh, definitely. I mean, that anybody with that offensive pedigree is a target in the NFL right now. And moving on to the Browns' division rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are in serious danger right now of missing out on the playoffs. And should the Steelers miss out on the playoffs, the clock has to start ticking on Mike Tomlin. Any other franchise, I would say that's a truth, but but this is the Rooney franchise. You can count the <laughs> head coaches since 1970 on one hand if you lost a couple fingers in an industrial accident. I, I don't think the clock's ticking on Mike Tomlin anytime soon. I think Pittsburgh would have to have multiple seasons out of the playoffs before that's even a consideration right now. But it's not a question of will it happen. The question was, should it happen? Oh, well, it's a tough one with Mike Tomlin because he's a little unconventional as far as other head coaches. And he lets his players play and he lets them a little loosey-goosey more than other coaches maybe. But that's his style and that's that's worked for him. Um, If Pittsburgh continues to keep losing games here they finish under 500 this season it should be a consideration but uh, nothing's gonna happen anytime soon with Pittsburgh I think I agree with that the Steelers are known for continuity more than any other NFL franchise and Mike Tomlin is definitely safe for 2019 and moving back to the Bears after their incredible defensive performance against the Rams last Sunday. And it wasn't just the weather, Hal, was it? It was just a brilliant scheme and brilliant execution all around. Oh, I mean, they had Jared Goff rattled like I haven't seen him since he was a rookie rattled like that. That was a fantastic game plan, excellent execution, and just that relentless Bears team. And and kudos to them for you know, turning it around after that overtime loss to the Giants the week before that had to have left a a poor taste in their mouth, and they took it out on those Rams. They most certainly did, and the architect of that game plan who deserves all the kudos is Vic Fangio, and Vic Fangio has all but earned Assistant Coach of the Year honors. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's done a great job building up that defense. And, you know, it's more than Khalil Mack. We've talked at times about how well that secondary's played. Roquan Smith and those linebackers for the Bear. Akeem Hicks on that defensive line and those other big bodies. And the way that he's got them all gelled together, everybody working together, that's a, a fantastic product. It's, it's a joy to watch that defense play. It most certainly is, so I assume that you're saying it's a truth that Vic Fangio has all but earned Assistant Coach of the Year honors. Assistant Coach of the Year, and, you know, again, let's get him, I mean, (laughs) let's get him into that conversation for head coaches as well. I mean, I know he's an older head coach, he's a defensive coach, but you can't argue about what he's done here and what he's done with San Francisco in the past. Definitely cannot. Vic Fangio has been one of the best defensive minds of this decade, and he deserves his opportunity as a head coach even at uh, 65 years of age, if not older. I think he's 66, for crying out loud. So, But no matter how old you are, age is just a number, he still deserves his shot. And speaking of uh, old coaches who 
are fighting the fountain of youth again, dare I say. Pete Carroll has made just as strong a case for Coach of the Year as anybody has this season. That is a truth. I mean, my expectations for Seattle was this team was in the middle of a rebuilding, and this was going to be the year where they took their lumps. And here they are in the playoff picture, a legitimate contender with their ability to play defense this year. Pete Carroll, I I didn't think he could turn it around this quick. I figured he may eventually, but... Yeah, definitely. Based on expectations heading into this season, he's got a lot more wins than I pegged Seattle for to begin with, so that is definitely a truth. Plus, that defensive performance they had against the Vikings on Monday Night Football, that was a defensive performance that can't get ignored, even though the Cowboys and the Bears uh, slow down the two best offenses in the league in the past couple weeks. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, again, when we talk about the beauty of watching a defense uh, with the Bears, the same thing with Seattle. So aggressive, so fast to the ball, you know? I mean, that that's that Pete Carroll style that he's always preached, and he's got it there, and, and what a great performance. Oh, I completely agree. And a team that has been a massive disappointment this season has been the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Jaguars should seriously consider trading Jalen Ramsey in the offseason. I'm going to go with an exaggeration on that one. I think, you know, premier cornerbacks like him are hard to find around the league. And yes, he needs to be reined in with the mouth a little bit. But that's on the head coach. And if I'm Jacksonville, I'm looking more at replacing a head coach than I am star defensive players. That is a very good point, Hal. And I agree that Doug Marone should be fired, especially if the Jaguars are going to take a quarterback in the first round. They need somebody who can develop that quarterback. And replacing him with a guy like uh, Freddie Kitchens or Matt LaFleur or whatever bright offensive mind is still out there, uh, that is definitely a must for the Jaguars to move on from Doug Marone and have somebody who could develop their quarterback in the future and also somebody who could rein in Jalen Ramsey and make him more of a team player. And last but not least, we continue with your New England Patriots. And by the way, uh, I am sorry you had to witness the Miami Miracle last Sunday, Hal. <laughs> you know, the the worst part about that, David, is mere seconds before that play took place, I tweeted out, do I trust New England's defense with seven seconds to play up by five points? <laughs> uh, you, I think I saw it coming. You know? <laughs> yeah, you turned out to be quite prophetic there, Hal. Indeed. But uh, 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 even more interesting, uh, the Miami miracle kind of yelled to the Minneapolis miracle of last year, hold my beer. <laughs> Maybe not the, you know, that that playoff atmosphere of the divisional round. I, th- I think the playoff game is always going to be a bigger stage. Um, but that was a uh, that was a heck of a miracle play because it was at the end of the game like that and, and allowed for a, a walk off win in a, in a game that was just you know, start to finish, just so many strange things going on. It was just, you know, one of those games that the Patriots, only in Miami that happened, so. Yeah, that is true, but my point is, is it was a more improbable play in Miami Uh than the one in Minnesota, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, that that exaggeration, um, I think, you know, anytime, I think we saw Tyreek Hill do this last year, uh, right before halftime, um, same type of play. You know, they had everybody back to the goal line, and he got a couple blockers in front of him. And for me, that that Minnesota New Orleans, it's still hard. I think you're going to have to have the Stanford band on the fan to, field to get something a little more improbable than that was last year for me. That is a fair statement. But sticking with your Patriots to conclude, truth and exaggeration for this week. The Patriots are more likely than not going to miss out on the AFC's number one seed. Oh, yes, definitely a truth. I, the number one seed is coming out of the AFC West. It's just a matter right now of figuring out in these last three weeks, is it going to be Kansas City or is it going to be the Chargers? 
And speaking of the Chiefs and the Chargers, the game that could decide who wins the AFC West and the AFC's number one playoff seed is tonight between the Chargers and the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. And this could be the most important game of the year for crying out loud. Without a doubt, David, this is huge. And and what a coup for Thursday night football to have this game to close out the season here for them. And uh, it it's going to be fantastic. Oh, I'm expecting a war in this game. But both the Chargers and the Chiefs are likely to be without some key contributors tomorrow night. Uh, the Chargers, even though he's listed as questionable, uh, it was reported on Tuesday that they are not optimistic about getting Melvin Gordon back. But the Chiefs, after jettisoning Kareem Hunt, they're not going to have Spencer Ware tonight. So whose absence or potential absence, if Melvin Gordon does find a way to play, will hurt their respective team more? Melvin Gordon's absence or Spencer Ware's absence? Well, with Austin Eckler likely to miss the game as well, you kind of have to look at it as Gordon's probably the bigger loss right there. But, uh, you know, it's it's tough because I don't think the Kansas City offense can just function without Kareem Hunt there. And, you know, speaking of questionable, Spencer Ware's still questionable for this game as well. So both teams could be down multiple running backs coming into this game. So... I, I think for the Chiefs, that offense needs that production from the running back to to offset that passing game, to set that up more so than the Chiefs. The Chiefs have done it longer without a productive running game. I think the Chiefs can handle that a little bit better. And any losses at the running backs, I think, are going to hurt Kansas City more than more than the Chargers. I completely agree with you, Hal. We are simpatico there. And the reason why we're simpatico can be set up in two words. Justin Jackson. You didn't like those seven rushes for 12 yards last week, David? They should have given him the ball more. (laughs) As good as Eckler is, Justin Jackson's a better all-around back. Eckler's just a change of pace back in my eyes. You could be right there. It, it, you know, he doesn't have a big track record here for us to draw from on Justin Jackson, and he certainly struggled, and they certainly went away from him in a hurry at the earliest sign of struggles for the rookie uh, running back here out of Northwestern. Yes, but his performance against the Steelers a couple weeks ago was out of this world, wasn't it? He was. He was piling up yards left and right against this against the Steelers, and even the week before against Arizona in garbage time, he his first real playing action. He looked very impressive running the football. So I don't know what happened last week, and be interesting to see what happens tonight with him in this game. It most certainly will. But let's say even if Melvin Gordon plays. I think you got to give Justin Jackson like uh, 30% of the carries, even if Melvin Gordon plays. Don't you think so? Well, Gordon having missed a couple weeks, they're not going to be able to put him into his workhorse role that they're accustomed to with Melvin Gordon. And they need somebody to, you know, both of these teams, you know, we can talk about the aerial attacks and how the NFL is shifting this way. Uh, but look at the Chiefs with Hunt. Look at the Rams with Todd Gurley. The running back is part of that passing game and the running game as well. They're doing double duty on these offenses, and you're going to see the effect without that running game, without that contributor in the passing game from the running back position, that these offenses go flat in a hurry. You could be right, and moving on to the defensive side of the ball for the Chiefs, they welcome back a crucial contributor as Eric Berry, who's been dealing with Uh, Side effects from that Achilles surgery he underwent last year is making his 2018 NFL debut tonight. And how pivotal can Eric Berry's return be to a Chiefs victory tonight? You know, Eric Berry is one of those guys that any other player you're going to say, oh, missed 13 weeks. What kind of impact can he have? But you can stack the odds against this guy, and I'm not betting against him. I'll tell you that. I think he could have 
a huge emotional lift for that defense in Kansas City and really help them here down the stretch with that leadership which they so desperately need there. And if past his prologue, I expect him to have a monster game this evening because uh, people wrote him off after he uh, defeated Hodgkin's lymphoma, underwent uh, grueling uh, months of chemotherapy treatments, and and was able to actually gain a pound after that miraculously. And he came back faster and better than ever. And now, after missing uh, uh, all of last season, almost all of last season, and 13 weeks up to now, I would expect him to go gangbusters completely. And Patrick Mahomes is likely to win the MVP when all is said and done this year. He has... Uh, established himself as the most exciting quarterback in the National Football League and might be considered the best quarterback in the National Football League as soon as the end of this season, uh, for crying out loud. But you can't ignore what Phillip Rivers has done this year. 29 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, playing some of the best football of his career. Do you think this is the best season of Phillip Rivers' career? It's right up there. I'll tell you that. He has matured as a quarterback. He's you know, he has the weapons around him now that he lacked the last few years where it just seemed like it was Keenan Allen. And and that was basically it for, <laughs> for him for a couple of years here now. And so with the Williams is there, Travis Benjamin, he's got a little more uh, of, of a weapons of, of a team around him. But as far as his best season ever, Man, you know, I, I go back to, you know, that 2009 year. Um, he he had a pretty great year there. The year before that, 2008, the team wasn't as good. Those were, he's, you know, quietly put up some great seasons there. So I'll say this is arguably his best season so far. Very fair point there, my friend. And what are some of the matchups that will decide this game? Well, one of the key ones is going to be that Eric Berry and that Kansas City Chiefs secondary because they're going to have to find a way to slow down San Diego. And I'm San Diego. I keep saying that. I apologize. Everybody does. Come on, Al. It's, a, it's an okay mistake to make. 40 years of burned into my brain here, you know. <laughs> it's the same for all of us. Uh, but, you know, even if even if the Chargers aren't running the football, just, you know, Mike Williams, Terrell Williams, you know, the revitalized 38 year old Antonio Gates still being a factor for them. Keenan Allen, they've got to find a way to slow down that passing attack somehow in Kansas City. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure, even with Eric Berry back on that secondary, which has underperformed this entire season. I mean, teams have just passed at will against the Chiefs. They're last in the NFL in pass defense. So there's an Achilles heel. Can the Chargers exploit that? And that's what we're going to see tonight is if that happens. Goodbye to think alike. I was thinking this exact same thing, but more specifically, I'm looking at Kendall Fuller, who is arguably still one of the best slot corners in the NFL. Uh, he's just been overshadowed this year by others in his position, and plus the fact that he has almost no help uh, from his teammates. But look at him going up against Keaton Allen in the slot. That could be pivotal because if there is one slot corner I can think of that can handle Keenan Allen, it is Kendall Fuller. That is a great point, David. And and there's a lot of pressure on that young cornerback. And, you know, they've been putting a lot of pressure on him all season long in Kansas City, like you said, because I mean, the rest of the the rest of the group, you know, Steven Nelson is a average cornerback. Um, Orlando Skandrick has underperformed this season. There's just not a lot of talent around him. And that's a lot of pressure on him to step up against somebody like Keenan Allen, who has been so impossible to, to cover in the slot this year. Keenan Allen's arguably the best route runner in football, so he's always impossible to cover, dare I say. Yeah, as long as he's on the field, it's uh, the only times he's been well covered is when he's been out injured, I think. <laughs> 
Indeed, indeed, indeed. And who do you have winning arguably the most important game of this 2018 NFL season tonight? The Chargers or the Chiefs? I've got it with the Chargers. I think that balance on offense and the ability, that defense, that they can bring that pass rush against Kansas City, who um, may be a little dinged up on the offensive line as well coming into this game. Uh, that could be a, a big part of the game if Cameron Irving is is out or not at 100% against that uh, Chargers pass rush. So I'm going the Chargers 34 to 27 over Kansas City. I'm going with the Chargers as well. I think they are the most balanced team the Chiefs have played all season, especially with Joey Bosa now back in the fold and with Bosa now back and playing up to his own standard of play. The Chiefs are going to have a hard time uh, not just moving the ball but keeping up with the Chargers offense. If they had a hard time against Baltimore last week, they might have an even harder time against the Chargers because they're going to be uh, a little rusty after a, a brutal game like that against the Ravens. And the Chargers, unlike the Ravens, have an offense that can move the ball up and down the field consistently. So I think uh, it's going to still be a close game, but the Chargers pull off a 31-28 to victory. And an underrated matchup this week. The red-hot Indianapolis Colts, who had a huge win against the Texans, just as you and I predicted would happen last week, against the team with the longest winning streak in football, the Dallas Cowboys, winners of five straight, and a win will clinch the NFC East for them. Ever since that Amari Cooper trade that you and I absolutely ridiculed on this program, Amari Cooper has proven to be highway thievery for the Cowboys, even if they did give up that first-round pick. I I tell you, I, I'm still in shock at how well he's brought that offense and made Dak Prescott into one of the best quarterbacks over these past few weeks since he's gotten there. It's absolutely amazing to see that Cowboys offense transformation so far. Yeah, I had a feeling that he would start playing up to the level that I expected him to play when he was coming out of Alabama. I just didn't think it would happen this soon. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, uh, you know, it, <laughs> it's shocking the transformation that he's had to that Dallas offense. And it kind of begs the question to Jerry Jones, well, what took so long? You said it, Hal. Uh, if John Gruden was uh, having Khalil Mack up for sale before week one, Jerry Jones should have acquired about Amari Cooper sooner. <laughs> exactly. You said that, but the strength of this Cowboys team remains that defense, as we alluded to early in the program. But if there is a potential weak spot on this Cowboys defense, what is it, and how do Frank Reich and the Colts exploit it? Well, if the Dallas, you know, the biggest weakness that you're going to see is is getting something um, – you know, on the outside against those wide receivers that are there, uh, the white, getting your wide receivers outside on those cornerbacks, I think if there's anywhere that you're going to be able to take advantage of Dallas, get a, a quick receiver matched up with Byron Jones and use Jones's size against him, or try to attack a woozy on the other side and take advantage of his inexperience because otherwise Dallas, it's, it's tough to run against them with those linebackers that we've talked about so many times with Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch's speed, the way that they can shut down tight ends and running backs as well. And that defensive line led by Demarcus Lawrence, it's hard to run against and it's hard to throw against there. It most certainly is. But you mentioned a speedy receiver that could uh, use Byron Jones' size against him. The Colts have one in T.Y. Hilton. They certainly do. And if, and if they can get that matchup, that's the that's definitely an area where they can be, have a huge headache for that Dallas defense. Yes, T.Y. Hilton has to be targeted early and often in this game for the Colts uh, to have any chance of moving the ball consistently on this Cowboys defense. And you mentioned Leighton Vanderesh, the impressive rookie linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys, a serious contender for Defensive Rookie of the Year. The Colts have maybe an even more serious contender for Defensive Rookie of the Year in their rookie linebacker, Darius Leonard. Who is more deserving of those honors, in your opinion? Uh, that's a tough one right there. 
I'm going to lean lean with Darius Leonard because he was my midseason defensive rookie of the year projection. So <laughs> just for personal reasons, but but no, seriously, Leonard does so much. He's got the sack numbers to go with those tackles as well. He's in the backfield. He's right up there with the tackles for loss as well. He just does everything. And, you know, coming in as a second round pick as well, he didn't have that expectation and pressure and he's probably elevated the play of the players around him as well uh, more so and I would give that a little nudge to make him a little more deserving of that absolutely because Darius Leonard is head and shoulders the best player on that Colts defense period end of story right now and late Van Der Esch has Several people as good as him on that defense to keep him company, especially in Jalen Smith, his fellow linebacker, and Demarcus Lawrence as well. Leonard uh, single-handedly has made that Colts defense overachieve all season long, so Darius Leonard would definitely have the slight upper hand over Leighton Van Der Esch for Defensive Rookie of the Year uh, in that race. And speaking of that Colts defense, uh, they have to slow down two people on that Cowboys offense the most, and they are obviously Amari Cooper, who we just talked about, and Ezekiel Elliott. Who of those two, Amari Cooper or Ezekiel Elliott, is more important for the Colts to neutralize? You know, uh, it it sounds strange with the way that Cooper has been playing, but that entire offense is running through Ezekiel Elliott there in Dallas, and it's still Ezekiel Elliott's offense at this time. He's such a factor in the passing game as well as the running game. He allows that Dallas defense to be able to rest up on the sidelines, put together long drives, convert third downs for Dallas, get them in the position to convert those third downs. I I still say it's Ezekiel Elliott's the most important part of that Dallas offense. I actually agree. As important as Amari Cooper has been, uh, Cooper's job is to um, take attention away from Ezekiel Elliott, and he's done that successfully, but you have to neutralize Ezekiel Elliott first and foremost if you're the Colts in order to win uh, this game. And in terms of game-deciding matchups, uh, we'll get to the one you're looking at in just a minute, but what I'm looking at is obviously that Colts interior offensive line with Quentin Nelson and hopefully Ryan Kelly if he's able to return this weekend going up against that underrated interior Cowboys defensive line because the Colts, they need to get somewhat of a run game going. And if there is an interior offensive line in the NFL that can go pound for pound against this Cowboys defense, it has to be the Indianapolis Colts. Exactly. They've been so strong all season long on the interior, which, you know, for so long, the running joke with the Indianapolis Colts has been that offensive line. And they've done a great job of of getting that offensive line together and turning that around. And that is, you're absolutely correct, David. That is a huge, huge matchup where the Colts have to be able to to keep that inside pressure away from Luck and run the ball to set up that dangerous play action for Andrew Luck. Especially to T.Y. Hilton, as we alluded to a couple of moments ago. And what matchup are you looking at in this game, Hal? Well, what I... What the one I I talked about it already with the Dallas uh, linebackers as well. But, you know, looking at Indianapolis Colts and surprise stars this year, I mean, you got to look at Eric Ebron, the tight end. I mean, 12 touchdowns in 13 games, 650 yards. He's got almost 60 receptions. I mean, he's been a beast and he's, you know, just been such a huge part of that Indianapolis Colts offense that nobody saw coming. Um, you know, he, we, we, we all knew the talent he had. He just never really put it all together until this season. So for Dallas, the, you know, that's going to put the, it's, it's a marquee matchup. It's going to be Ebron against Jalen Smith or Leighton Van Der Esch there um, out in the open field. And whoever can, you know, if, if they can stifle Ebron, that goes a long way for Dallas uh, being able to get Indianapolis off the field and kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. And who do you think wins this all-important game for both teams? It's a tough one, but I think I'm going to go with the Indianapolis Colts here. Um, it's at Indianapolis. going to give them a slight edge of these uh, two teams. and. You know, 
if anybody's going to be able to get it going here against Dallas, I think Andrew Luck's going to be able to do just enough, and I have it as an Indy 20-18 to 18 win over Dallas. I agree. I have the Indianapolis Colts winning 20-17. to 17. As I said, that Colts offensive line is one of the few in the league that could go pound for pound against not just this Cowboys defensive line, but these linebackers as well. Quentin Nelson might get a pancake or two on Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch, as great as they are. And also, Quentin Nelson knows Jalen Smith. They went to Notre Dame together, so uh, he might uh, give uh, Jalen Smith a little uh, how-do-you-do with a, a key block here or there. And I think he's going to be able to get a couple of those that lead to some big drives for the Colts that will be enough to put them on top in a very close 20-17 to 17 game. And the later game that everybody is going to be watching across the country is the Pittsburgh Steelers losers of three straight games going up against the New England Patriots at Heinz Field. And the Patriots are still 9-4, still a lock to win the AFC East, but there's something about the Patriots that makes them seem more vulnerable than they've been in the last uh, two years, uh, 2016 and 2017 to be exact. But what do you think makes the Patriots more vulnerable this season compared to the last two years? I think it's the defense, David. I mean, you know, offensively, they've got enough weapons that you can put the game on Tom Brady. Even in his 40s, he can still push the ball downfield when necessary. You know, you've added Sony Michelle. Uh, you've got James White. You're going to have Rex Burkhead back. You can run the football. But the defense has not traveled for the Patriots. And, you know, that's a that's a front runner defense they have right there is what they call it. You know, they play fine when they've got a double digit lead. But when they need to make a play to get the offense back on the field, they need to do something to lock up that game. And especially on the road when it gets into difficult circumstances that defense just isn't able to make that play isn't able to make that stop and that's really killed them in those you know those bad losses that we've seen you know common denominator they've all been on the road and they've all been a lot of points allowed and a main thing I attribute that to is the lack of a star edge rusher. Yes, you got Trey Flowers on the defensive line, but you need an edge presence in this league. No matter how hard you slice it, and given the amazing talents in this defensive line and edge class in this draft, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Patriots, given the draft capital they have, to try to trade up as high as they can to get one of these stud pass rushers. They desperately need it. They've been missing it. You know, like we said, we love Trey Flowers here in New England, but you know, there's a guy in Ari- there's a guy in Arizona called Chandler Jones who's uh, put up a lot of sacks. Who you know, the Patriots didn't even make a half-hearted effort um, to even try to re-sign before they traded him away for a second-round draft pick, and and that shows up. You know, like you said, that edge presence. Just ask the Chicago Bears what that edge presence has done for them this season. Indeed, and just ask the Oakland Raiders what missing Khalil Mack does for them. Exactly. (laughs) Indeed. And let's go to the Steelers' offense for a moment. Uh, Yes, Antonio Brown has been the star at wide receiver, not just for the Steelers, but for the entire NFL these past several years. But does it seem that Juju Smith-Schuster is becoming equally as important of a weapon for that Steelers' offense as Antonio Brown is these days? He really has, and he is an impressive, impressive young wide receiver. You know, you watch what he does on the field, his ability to use his hands to get away from press coverage, his breakaway speed, his ability to get in and out of those cuts. You know, you you look at a second-year receiver, he's, what, 23 years older, 22 it's not supposed to be able to do that. I don't know where they keep finding him. Pittsburgh keeps doing this, but he is an impressive wide receiver and he really belongs. You know, he gets so overlooked with Antonio Brown there, but but he is a legitimate stud wide receiver in the game right now. Indeed, and he has very cynical. Uh, delete that, Chris. Sorry. Oh, you said it, Hal. And if you look at his numbers, his numbers are very, very similar to Adam Thielen's, and their skill sets are very similar, too. 
Exactly. You know, I mean, he's smooth. He's got deceptive speed. He's got that size. He's six foot one. He's over 210 pounds. He can, you know, break a tackle. He's 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 a great receiver he's so much fun to watch you know when you're watching that film of him getting in and out of his breaks just just amazing (laughs) it absolutely is but it looks like the Steelers are probably going to be missing a key component of their offense for the second straight week as James Conner looks like he is unlikely to play and how deflated are the Steelers chances of winning this game if Jason James Conner doesn't play as expected it's a huge loss because both Minnesota and Miami have been running the ball against New England and just gashing them for huge yardage. I think, you know, Minnesota, part of the reason John Filippo isn't the offensive coordinator anymore is is after the, you had your running back averaging nine yards a rush in the first half, you didn't give him the ball in the second half and you lost. And, and for Miami, you know, Frank Gore looked like he had hit the fountain of youth against the Patriots and the Steelers are going to have to run that football to win the game. And and without James Conner, we saw it last week against uh, Oakland, the running backs combined for 16 rushes for 32 yards, two yards a rush. That's just not going to do it. Stephen Ridley and Jalen Samuels, uh, especially against the Raiders for crying out loud. Are oh, you kidding me? Horrible. Oh, so yeah, they really need James Conner to run the football and that added threat as the receiving back as well to take advantage of the Patriots safeties who have been getting beat by trying to cover running backs. Um, you know, Devin McCourty and Patrick Chung are both 30 years old now and, and that they're getting up there and losing that half step and teams have been taking advantage of that. And that is why I am going to make this my game deciding matchup for this game. Jalen Samuels at the passing game, and you got to keep in mind, Jalen Samuels was a tight end at North Carolina State. He was a, a jack-of-all-trades receiving back kind of option, and that's how the Steelers have to deploy him in this game. Instead of giving him the ball and running between the tackles, he can't do that. Just make him the extension of the running game and throw quick screen passes to him all day long and challenge those Patriots safeties and linebackers early on. So it'll be Jalen Samuels in the passing game against those Patriots safeties and linebackers that will be the key matchup for the Steelers exploit in order to have any chance of winning this game. I agree. And, and you know, don't count out those uh, tight ends as well with Vance McDonald and Jesse James. The Patriots have had trouble covering those tight ends with those safeties and their linebackers as well. Their linebackers tend to key towards more, um, you know, zone defense linebackers, which they're not going to be playing much zone against these Pittsburgh receivers. Um, and they struggle in those one to one matchups with tight ends. Oh, they most certainly do. And who do you have winning this game at Heinz Field, which seems like it's even more important for the Steelers than it is for the Patriots. And it's plenty important for the Patriots. It is. And, you know, this game, unlike the the last few years where it seems like every time the Patriots have been playing the Steelers, it's been the Steelers coming in with that confidence, with that winning streak. And this year... That's not the case in Pittsburgh. They're they're a half game ahead of Baltimore right now. They're playing for their lives. They're at home. They're that animal that's backed up against the wall with the hair raised. And that's why I think the Steelers are going to be able to pull this game off. It'll be close, but I'll give it to the Steelers 27 to 24 over the Patriots. I am going to disagree with you, Hal. I think the New England Patriots are going to win this game. A Bill Belichick coach team is the best team that is capable of coming back from such a gut-wrenching loss like the one last week in the Miracle in Miami. I think they just absolutely shred the Steelers' defense that cannot cover a blanket, especially those linebackers and safeties. You get Julian Edelman on them, Grock on them, James White on them, Sony Michelle on them in the passing game. The Steelers can't stop it. And the Steelers will put up a fight, but the Patriots... Uh, are going to have too much offense going for them, and the absence of James Cotter is going to allow the Patriots a couple of extra stops that make the difference in a 34-24 victory for the New England Patriots. And now moving on to our rapid-fire predictions. Our top choice athletics trivia question will be tweeted uh, by me during the games on Sunday, and if you want a chance to win great prizes from our friends at Top Choice Athletics, uh, follow me at SportsCrunch for 
the trivia question, which I'll be tweeting on Sunday. And the first one to answer gets a great prize from our friends at Top Choice Athletics. So now we move on to our rapid-fire predictions. And we have Saturday NFL football this time of year. And we got a double dip on Saturday, starting with Deshaun Watson and the Texans hoping to bounce back from that loss against the Colts. Going to take on Sam Darnold and the Jets. I think they bounce back, don't you? Oh, I think they definitely bounce back. I think the Jets will put up a fight, but I've got Houston winning it 24-17. to I have the Texans winning this game as well. And the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb traveling to Denver to take on fellow top five pick Bradley Chubb, who is Nick Chubb's cousin. Ooh. Kind of a family affair there. Yes, indeed. That should be an interesting one. And, and it should be very, very interesting to see Baker Mayfield uh, on the road in the altitude at Denver where many, many a quarterback has struggled in that environment. Yes, but I think Baker Mayfield and the Browns come away with the victory in this game, 26-13. to 13. The loss of Emmanuel Sanders and Chris Harris Jr. absolutely sunk the Broncos last week against the 49ers. And George Kittle just tore the Broncos apart for 210 yards. I think Baker Mayfield and David Njoku do the same thing this week. Maybe not for as many yards, but for as big an impact. The Browns win 26-13. I'm pretty close. I think it'll be a little bit closer, but I have the Browns pulling it out 20-18 to over Denver. The Chicago Bears, after that classic defensive performance, dare I say, against the Rams last week, with a win, they are in the playoffs and clinch the NFC North. And what better opportunity for them to do so at home against the Green Bay Packers to avenge themselves from that heartbreaking loss in Week 1? Definitely, definitely. I think it's going to happen, David. I see Chicago uh, taking care of business at home 27-20 to 20 over the Packers. I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers play spoiler here. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they're still mathematically alive in the playoff hunt, and they're going to want to stay alive, especially against the Bears. And the Bears uh, losing Bryce Callahan, the underrated slot corner, to that injury for the rest of the season. Aaron Rodgers will be able to exploit that for a couple of big plays, which make the difference for the Packers in a 24-20 Packers victory. That's my upset special of the week. The Detroit Lions travel to Buffalo to take out the Bills, another uh, hold-your-nose game, yeah. unless you have fantasy players in that game so uh this is a coin flip but i will actually go with the lions because i just uh didn't like how buffalo played last week against the jets and if recency bias plays a factor in this bet so be it i'm going with the lions <laughs> well i don't think so i'm going with the lions as well here david so 14 to 12 close game but the lions pull it out in against a tough defense on the road the Baltimore Ravens have an opportunity to pull into first place in the AFC North despite that heartbreaking loss against the Chiefs, but they are going up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that made life a living hell for Drew Brees for three and a half quarters last week, so it's not going to be easy. No, it's certainly not going to be, and uh, it's it's an interesting game. I, I, I really like the fight that Tampa Bay had last week, but you know, that's a division rival. I don't know if they'll be able to bring that this week against the Ravens. I th I agree. I think the Bucks will keep it competitive for about a half or so, and the Ravens in that uh, ruddy game with Lamar Jackson and that defense uh, help the Ravens pull away in the second half, and they win 31-17. to Pretty close there, David. I have it 27-20 to for Baltimore over Tampa Bay. And since these next two games are pretty much ho-hub games, let's just decide the winners. Cardinals at Falcons, I think I'm taking the Falcons in what has been a very disappointing year for them. They uh, get to end their season on somewhat of a positive note these uh, final three weeks, starting with a win on Sunday over the Cardinals, 31-14. Uh, to 14. Yeah, I think it'll be a low-scoring stinker. I've got Atlanta 16-13 to 13 over Arizona. My fantasy team hopes you're right. At least one of them <laughs> does because uh, my opponent in one of my leagues is Matt Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, a lot of fantasy implications for us this week. Uh, Raiders at Bagels, Derek Carr, Jeff Driscoll. I really like the way the Bagels played the Chargers last week from start to finish. They made it a game, and I think they should have a pretty sizable win over the Raiders, let's say 
Uh, 17-6. Ooh, no, 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 no. Raiders, they got the momentum. They beat Pittsburgh. Gruden time, 26-22 over Cincinnati. Here comes them Raiders. Well, the Raiders are going to cost themselves several key draft slots if they do that. (laughs) Well, I didn't say it'd be smart for them to win, but... We shall see. Like I said, that's a stinger. This one is a very important game with wild card implications. The Tennessee Titans at 7-6. and six. The New York Giants are not out of it. They're 5-8. and eight. They're playing some good football right now. Uh, I am just not excited about this Titans offense. Yes, what Derrick Henry did last week against the Jaguars was amazing, but the Jaguars quit. The Giants have everything to play for. The Giants have been playing some great defense these past several weeks. And Saquon Barkley has been the game changer. He was advertised to be clearly the offensive rookie of the year. I think he has another performance that is enough to put the Giants over the top in a 23-20 game. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't even think it'll be that close. I've got the Giants at home winning 34-24 over Tennessee. And a similar game with wildcard implications. The Dolphins, fresh off the Miami Miracle, travel to the scene of the Minneapolis Miracle to take on the Minnesota Vikings, who are fighting to keep a hold of that sixth and final playoff spot in the NFC. And I think the firing of John Filippo is going to benefit the Vikings, and they win a 37-30 to game. And how do they win it? Stay tuned for my bold prediction. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I'm going with Minnesota as well. The, you know, the post-Patriots win hangover is a real thing here in the NFL this season. Uh, There's a big emotional letdown for Miami here on the road. Minnesota 26, Dolphins 16. The Washington Redskins, who are absolutely crumbling, travel to Jacksonville to take out the Jaguars. I actually think the Redskins' final nail in the coffin occurs this Sunday in Jacksonville, in Duval County. The Jaguars are just playing for pride now, and they will get a prideful 16-13 victory over the Redskins. Ooh, you think it's going to be high scoring, I see, huh? (laughs) I've I've got no touchdowns in this game. Jacksonville pulls out the battle of the field goals 9-6. Wouldn't be surprised if that's the case either. The Red Hot Seahawks traveled to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. The 49ers might have had a nice win against the Broncos last week. I don't think they come close this week against a Red Hot Seahawks team. Seahawks, I believe, uh, clinched the playoff spot with a rather comfortable uh, 34-14 to victory. Yeah, Seattle traveling to San Francisco, that's practically a home game for them, considering how far they're usually accumulating miles on the road. So I've got an easy win, Seattle 20-3 to over the 49ers. On Sunday Night Football, the Rams hope to bounce back at the Coliseum, and they host the Philadelphia Eagles, who need to win out and a lot of prayers to make it back to the playoffs, but... It looks like Carson Wentz isn't playing, and he might not play again this season. I don't think we see a repeat of Nick Foles from last year. I think he's turned back into a pumpkin. Aaron Donald sacks him like three times, and Jared Goff and that Rams offense have a bounce-back performance against the decimated Eagles defense, and they win uh, 35-17. to Oh, no, my upset special. More Nick Foles magic. More Nick Foles magic. Philadelphia 30. Rams 27, get ready for all those articles. Is Nick Foles going to do it again this year that are going to be printed out on Monday morning? Oh, Hal, your bold prediction about the Steelers losing to the Raiders last week came true. You made the bold prediction the Broncos would beat the Steelers a couple weeks ago. That came true. You might be right again, Hal. And, Hal, if you're right on this one, I think I might get you something for Christmas. (laughs) now my fingers are crossed here david all right (laughs) yeah you have an act for picking up said specials and last but not least the new orleans saints travel to carolina to take on the carolina panthers who've been absolutely struggling in recent weeks the panthers are still mathematically alive in the playoff hunt i think they put up a respectable fight but i think drew Brees and that saints offense gets back on track uh, this monday night and they win a 35 to 23 game 
Yeah, I mean, five losses in a row coming in and then having to play the Saints. I, I just don't see Carolina being able to do it, but I do see them putting up a little bit of a fight and a lot of pride on the field. But New Orleans 24, Carolina 21. And now it's time for our bowl predictions for Week 15. Why don't you go first, Hal? All right. Well, last week I kind of let you down with my bold prediction because it was basically my upset special. So I got two for you here, David. All right? All right. Bold prediction number one. Last week we saw Derrick Henry come out, rush for over 200 yards, all those touchdowns on my best friend's bench on his fantasy team, which he may or may not have heard about multiple times from me this week. But this week, Derrick Henry's going to be standing on the sideline watching Saquon Barkley go for 250 yards against that Tennessee defense and his four touchdowns on the ground as well. And that's bold prediction number one. Number two, I got to go back to my Oakland Raiders here. Derek Carr threw for 300 yards last week against Pittsburgh for the first time since week four. This week against Cincinnati, 400 yards passing, leading the Raiders to that big win over the Bengals. Ooh, very, very interesting there, Hal. And speaking of 400 yards passing, my bold prediction is this. After John Filippo gets fired from his offensive coordinator job with the Vikings, Kirk Cousins throws for 400-plus yards against the Miami Dolphins with three touchdowns and no interceptions. Woo! Freeing him of those shackles. I like that bold prediction, Dan. Yes, and all the people say that the Vikings should have kept Case Keenum over him. They don't know what they're talking about. He's oh. been clearly an upgrade. DeFilippo, uh, that offense, and that offensive line in particular, have handcuffed him all season, haven't they? They certainly have. And don't forget, you know, that was Pat Shermer's offense last year, and he's in New York. And, you know, that's a big part of the change as well in Minnesota. So I uh, nobody should want Case Keenum back. I'm with you 100% on that one. And also for the Vikings, an underrated uh, part of their season occurred when uh, Tony Sperano, their offensive line coach, tragically passed away before a trading camp. I think that's had a very, very um, detrimental effect on that offensive line and that offensive general. They just miss his presence. They certainly do, and the, the injuries on that offensive line as well and the shuffling they've had to do, That the offensive line has been their Achilles heel all season long, and, and there's a couple different factors there, but Sperano definitely, that was a huge, huge loss for the team. Most certainly. And last but not least, it's time for our challenge flags. And why don't you go first again here, Hal? What is your challenge flag for Week 15? My challenge flag is going out to Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions. The Lions, you have a chance to finish strong. This is a team that was 3-3 three and three and beat the Patriots. They lost three straight. They were competitive. No, they weren't really competitive, but they put up some fight against the Rams and the Bears. They came back. They came out, crushed Arizona last week. They're five and eight. Their schedule isn't horrible. They're at Buffalo. They play Minnesota, and they're at Green Bay. They have a chance to get their act together, get to eight and eight, finish that season with four straight wins. That'd be a huge boost to Matt Patricia's program there in Detroit, which has had nothing but problems and squibbling with the media. Put that all behind him. Ignore the noise and close out 2018 with max effort. I'm looking at you, Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions. My challenge flag goes to the New Orleans Saints. All right, New Orleans Saints, you got a key win last week, but you started off very slow again and uh, you have uh, provoked a lot of questions from the national media as to what's wrong with Drew Brees in the offense. Do me a favor. This Monday night against the Carolina Panthers, don't get off to another slow start. I understand it's not how you start, it's how you finish, but you need a complete 60-minute performance to prove why you are the team to beat in the NFC. Do it this Monday night. Play for 60 minutes and dominate on both sides of the ball. I like that one, David. All right. Yep, I can't wait to see another great weekend of football. That he is Hal Bent, ladies and gentlemen. You can catch his work at FullPressCoverage.com. And if you're a Patriots fan, you can catch his articles on the Patriots at MusketFire.com and BostonSportPage.com. And if you have to ask him a question on Twitter, tweet him at HalBent01. Hal, 
it's always a pleasure talking football with you. And uh, as I said last week, if you thought the ride weeks 1 through 13 was very, very bumpy, it's only about to get bumpier. It got more chaotic last week, and it's just beginning. It certainly is. The playoffs are so close, we can almost taste them. And there's so many teams in the AFC and NFC that are fighting for those last spots. It's going to be a fantastic finish to this 2018 NFL season, David. Please make it so, football gods. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back next week to preview week 16, so stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Hal. For Hal Bent, our producer Chris Broadhead, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.